Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am speaking with Chelsea Barrett, who is the winemaker at Matera here in the Napa Valley. Chelsea, I am so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. I know this is going to be so much fun. You and I don't know each other very well. No, <laughs> but yeah, not for long. So I'm going to get a crash course on all things Chelsea Barrett. Right That's now. good. Um, so let's dive in. I'm kind of curious to know, describe the moment when you knew you wanted to be a winemaker. Uh, I feel like that moment is maybe not super eventful. It was um, picking out, you know, sh- looking at colleges and uh, sort of shopping their course catalogs and looking at majors and, you know, what could I really see myself doing. And then, um, yeah, for Davis, my sister was already a student at Davis, and so I had visited many times and knew I loved riding my bike at Davis, and that was definitely a place where I could really see myself going. Uh, and then for the VE program, it was like, okay, yeah, let's try this out. All the prerequisites are the same as, you know, a lot of other, you know, sciences too, you know, chemistry, calculus, microbiology. Uh, let's start it. And if I change my mind, I can always, you know, kind of pivot to something else. But, uh, so that was kind of the moment where I just like, yep, let's go with this. And then until something else, uh, 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 until something else clicks. Um, but then winemaking is what really, really stuck with me, and I started to get into it a lot more and really understand, uh, you know, the science and the reasons behind all of the things I'd been doing at my summer jobs my whole life of topping barrels and, you know, scrubbing and scrubbing of why do we do all those things that I've done for years. So we probably, I probably should have explained this off the bat. You're, both of your parents are winemakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Both my parents are winemakers, and so, yeah, when you grow up in a family of winemakers, then, you know, it doesn't really seem like an unusual thing when that's all you know, I'd imagine. It's pretty similar to your parents being, you know, lawyers or whatever else they do. That's sort of the chat at dinner is, how was your day? What'd you do? What's going on? So was it inevitable that you would... I would say not, um, because neither of my siblings, so my older brother is a lawyer and lives in New York, and uh, and my sister uh, was an English major, um, but then she started, um, got into the wine industry after college, that she does sales and marketing for my mom's wines for La Serena and Barrett and Barrett. Your parents are winemakers, you're a winemaker, do you feel like you have big shoes to fill? Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents are both very, very well respected in the industry. Uh, And so, but yes, at the same time, I would say uh, there's a lot of a lot of inside information, you know, I've learned a lot from them and uh, about what to do, what not to do. So I've had had a lot of great sources of advice from that. So I like to think I've capitalized on that well and been, been pretty successful for myself. How would you describe a Chelsea Barrett wine? Ooh, uh, something probably with a lot of acid. <laughs> um, yeah, for whites, I would generally like things that are, um, you know, very you know crisp and bright. Uh, I like very elegant wines that are, you know, clean and pretty. Um, yeah, I'm not really into things that are, you know, maybe trendy of, you know, sort of um, like unusual or like, you know, bacterial flavors. I like things to be very, very clean. 
Um, for reds, yes, I would say the same, same sort of elegance and balance and, and roundness. Yeah, but I like, you know, I dabble in a bit of everything. I really like, I like variety. I don't really like to make, uh, make things the same way over and over. I love to experiment. What is your favorite varietal right now? Probably Grenache. Yeah. And why? Uh, because it's so versatile. Um, I love a lighter style red uh, and that the flavors that you get from Grenache um, are just really tasty and uh, tasty and diverse. I like that it's a grape that grows well in warmer and cooler climates too, so you get a lot of nuance from that. Uh, and I think that having a lighter red is something that I, that it's something that I want to drink at home, no matter what I'm eating. I don't have to think about as much, is this going to pair tonight? I just know it's going to work. Top moment of your career so far? Maybe getting this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long have you been in this position? Uh, I started this job in July of 2019. Uh, so this was a transition for me of, I um, had my second daughter uh, in April of 2019 and then knew I was looking to make a change when I was coming back from maternity leave. So I was interviewing while on maternity leave and then uh, sort of found this at the right time when they were looking for me. And then this was really, I felt like just a, the perfect fit of a perfect transition for uh, rolling all my experience for what I can do into something that, that I really want to do for uh, going forward. Is there someone that has influenced your career? <laughs> a number of people. I feel like I have been really good at uh, picking up little tidbits and really just uh, extracting any useful information out of all of my mentors. So everyone I've had from you know various jobs, anybody that's willing to give me the time of day and teach me something, uh, I haven't squandered it. It's from my, uh, I'm still very close friends with him. He's the winemaker where I first worked uh, my first internship in Austria at Myron Farplatz, a guy named uh, Dragos Pavlescu. And he is a PhD, he's definitely like a mad scientist type and one of my favorite people in the world. So I've learned a ton from him about chemistry and balance and fixing things. That's really um, when you have you know, an imperfect wine, all the things, all the little tricks you can do to, to polish it up, uh, I definitely learned from him. Uh, from my mom, I've obviously learned you know, quite a lot uh, just about how to interact with other people and you know how to really make things make things work day to day how to balance your life um yeah a lot i've learned a lot from my mom as well can you describe perhaps a challenging moment that you've had during your winemaking career that you were able to overcome Ooh, I mean, there's a lot of things that are challenges in terms of, like, when I worked for Joel God, it's a lot of logistics. Like, in the time that I was there, you know, the brand was just growing so rapidly, just so much growth every year of how do we continue to, uh, to make quality wines at this scale of how do we source more fruit? Where are we going to put it? You know, so that was something that I would say was always an ongoing challenge that I was... Um, pretty proud of, of figuring out like, oh, how's this going to work? Like, we've got nothing, we don't have enough space. And then where you kind of just keep chipping away at the puzzle until, uh, until you have a workable solution. What drives you? What keeps you going? What is it about winemaking that excites you and just keeps you wanting to make more and more wine? At the end of the day, you have something that 
you know, you want to share that is really exciting and makes people happy. And, you know, all of my friends from from college, no matter what we're doing, then, you know, I haven't seen them for a while. Like I have like, look what I did. Look what I do now. Like I have something that I can send them of, you know, I made this. Um, so that is a really good feeling, but I mean, through, for the day to day, um, I would say what drives me and keeps me going is the puzzles of it. I love the logistics challenges of, you know, how do you make this work? How do you structure this? I need all of these pieces to fit together for, you know, it's more than just making wine. It's also running a business too, like of, you know, figuring out what kind of barrels you're going to get. How many clients are we, you know, going to be able to fit in here? How many tons can we actually crush on a given day? Um, I love all of those types of puzzles. Well, and there's also just the unknowns, right? With the growing season. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You know. I also, I love research. And so, <laughs> you know, every year is different. You see just really weird things. Like, you know, one year, like everything across the board will have you know, just slightly different chemistry. Like Malik's will be, you know, higher than normal of why is that? What's that, what's causing that? Where's that coming from? And so, yeah, it's always kind of things that, um, you know, it always keeps it fresh. The nuances. Yeah. Involved. 10 years from now, where do you want to be? Uh, hopefully still here. I'm very excited for Matera. And I think that, you know, the, the goal here is really to, to grow the brand more and, you know, to expand that and, um, but yeah, I'd love, you know, I have a couple projects on the side too. I've got my own label with my mom, Aviatrix, and then also I work with her on Amuse Bouche. Um, and so I would love to pick up a couple other clients and probably make those here as well. There's space. So that's something that I'd, I'd like to keep doing. I mean, I love living here. Um, mostly I feel like I've got it pretty good. So let's talk about Matera. How much wine do you make? Right now, 4,000 cases a year. Uh, and how many different varietals? Uh, let's see. So the main things here from our estate in Oak Knoll. So we grow Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, so those are their own wines. And then we have also Merlot, Malbec, Petit Verdot, and Viognier here on the property. And then we have two other spots for growing Cab. Um, so that's most of it. So the most of the Bordeaux varietals, you know, we have a couple of cabs. We have a Diamond Mountain Cab, and then we have the Lamro property that is um, over across the street. So it's also Oaknell Cab, but it's up on the hillside a little bit. Uh, and then uh, the Viognier here. So yeah, um, maybe I'll start. You might want to edit this one bit. Uh, so we have Sauvignon Blanc, we have two different Chardonnays. One is a minimally oaked style, and then one is more traditional. Uh, there's Viognier. Uh, we have a Merlot-based blend called Right Bank, so it's kind of a mix of mix of Bordeaux varietals. Then we have Diamond Mountain Cab, Hidden Block Cab, which is our, our Napa Cab, uh, and then our Vine One, which is our, our flagship cab that is from the Lamoureux Vineyard. 4,000 cases. Yes. Nice so lots size. of really small stuff, and so which is, is fun to put together, and it's still still room enough for me to tinker and play around with other varietals like we did a just 60 cases of varietal Malbec this year uh, so yeah we kind of have room to room to play around and with our wine club here then there's always kind of an outlet of like special little things that we can do for them can you think of advice that has been given to you that has stuck with you and what that might have been? Oh yeah, I mean, I can think of a time, yeah, he definitely shouted at me. He had, um, so this was, so one of the things that's very common for interns to do in, in any winery, you know, this is done, you know, all over the world is interns, you're on bricks and temps. So every day, you know, any wines that you have in tank, 
um, that are fermenting, you go around and then you kind of just check their vitals. And so then you can chart it and make sure that things are, you know, dropping appropriately in a way that, that makes sense. Um, but it's also a thing that you can, you can kind of choose how much you care about it. It's something that you can kind of just turn your brain off and complete the task. Uh, and I would routinely do that. I would just complete the work and not necessarily think that much about it. Um, and then he was asking me questions about, okay, how did the wine in this tank taste? How was this one? You know, what was like that one like yesterday? And I didn't know because I wasn't thinking about it that completely. I wasn't thinking of the big picture the whole way through. And he really yelled at me um, for not knowing and not caring. Of like, how could you not care enough to do this? And so then that's always stuck with me of really like, you know, there's no task in a winery that's so, um, that's so menial, you know, that it's not critical that you care so much the whole way through and really think about how it ties into everything else you've done. Do you think there's ever too much wine? No, if there's a place for people to drink it, then there's just the right amount. Yeah, I mean, in my house, there's certainly never too much wine. I mean, we find a way to get through everything. At some point, it's, it's like, you know, there's not just a hundred different wines. There's thousands and mm -hmm. thousands of wines. And I do believe there's a wine for everyone, right? But can there ever be too much? Do you think there, that at some point we just are making uh, I think, you know, brands come and go. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business and not all businesses are going to be successful. I mean, you could look at a snapshot of, you know, what brands there were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. A lot of them go under. Um, it's really hard. It's really competitive. So, um, but I think that's sort of the nature of any business. You could say the same thing about fashion labels or anything else. Like things... There's just, uh, there's always going to be a flux as trends change and yeah, but I mean the overall quantity or the overall amount of variety, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a hard business to get into, you know, of finding a mark for how, where would a new brand fit is, is a tricky thing. You have to be really smart about it. Do you have a bucket list, a career bucket list item? Hmm. Something you want to there's places that I would, you know, love to travel and, you know, drink wine, but in terms of things that I want to do in my career as much, well, okay, there's places traveling for work that I would say. Um, you know, I still haven't been, like, often, you know, cork companies will do these, um, you know, like, cork trips where you go to Portugal, and um, I haven't done that yet, so that's something that's on, you know, on a list, but that's a fairly attainable goal. I feel like bucket list goals are something that's just, like, pie in the sky, and, um, I don't know, maybe, you know, um, consult for, uh, you know, a fancy super Tuscan might be, you know, a, a dream job sort of thing. I don't know if I would want to like move there permanently, but that's something that I would like to be, like to be involved in. Do you have high aspirations to get a hundred point wine? Points don't mean a ton to me. I feel like the time for that is largely over. I know there's lots and lots of very successful brands that, um, aren't so points driven and it just is not I don't really feel like that would be like a personal in oh. yeah in my in my core I wouldn't feel that's like a you know a nod of like I did a good job I would feel like okay that's I oh good I hope we're gonna sell some wine now you know I I would view it more that way but points I think it's just such a double-edged sword of like if you get too excited about you know when you get good points then you also can be really crushed when you get bad points and uh, I've sort of chosen to to not care that much well, and don't you think it depends on who's giving those points? 
the source? Sure, but then it's also, it's one person. Um, so I would say, I think that instead of the point system, I do like the wine judging system of more like the wine competitions that, I mean, are all over the country. That's done anonymously by a panel of experts. Um, you know, points given by one person, not anonymously. Like, everybody is swayed by, you know, the setting of, oh, this is really expensive. Try it. Of course you're going to like it more. But if it's so, blind. Not all judges taste, uh, or sorry, not all, well, not, not everyone's scoring is tasting blind. Yeah. So I don't really... Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a very accurate way to attain quality. And also it doesn't really, you know, it's sometimes it's hard because some review, um, some reviewers, like some, you know, some critics will only give like a max of 90 points for whites that aren't ageable. Like, what does that mean? You know, like a 90 point, you know, soft blanc or something like that, that's meant to be enjoyed young or fresh is that that still might for that reviewer be the max score they would give. So sometimes I think it's a little bit confusing. Like it could be a near perfect wine and then it's just sort of their whim of what they, they feel like or that they don't really give out those extra 10 points. And to your point, it's one person's opinion. Yes, that's the main thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think unless it's blind, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, and also then it's really like, you know, having a score on, um, you know, how do you give a score to a song, like any art form, like, or a film, you know, it's really, there's so much more than that, and there's so much more of, you know, how it either ages or different aspects of it, of how different people taste, um, you know, it's not really... Uh, different palette preferences. Yeah, it yeah. just it just doesn't matter that much to me. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. You love wine. And at Total Wine & More, you can count on getting the service you deserve. Their team of fun and friendly experts are extensively trained and even travel everywhere from California to Europe to meet the producers themselves. Stop by, check out over 8,000 bottles, and see why those who know wine always drink interesting at Total Wine and More. Let's go on to your personal life because I know that matters <laughs> to you. You were born and raised here in the Napa Valley? Yes, I grew up in Calistoga. Okay, so let's talk about your upbringing. How was it growing up here? Um, it was great. Very outdoorsy, of, you know, riding horses and playing with our dogs. Um, so I loved it. We, my parents live in, you know, the whole, my whole life they've lived in the same house. Uh, yeah, it was, it's remote, and so it was somewhere that, you know, if we were going to, you know, have playdates and hang out with other kids, then, um, you know, it really had to be arranged. So we mostly, it was a, a make-your-own-fun sort of place, and spent a lot of time playing with my sister and a lot of video games, so. Yeah. Did you ever feel like it was too isolated? I don't really think I ever thought that way as a kid, yeah. Do you have a, a childhood memory that comes to mind that you could share? Something that you enjoyed doing as a family or with your sister? Just a nice little story to share. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. I liked climbing rocks a lot. Was, you know, I did that a lot. Okay, where do you like to climb rocks? Um, over at my parents' live, there's a lot of palisades in Calistoga. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of places to, to hike around. And there's lots of little caves in the hills of just natural cave formations. that They're, they're tiny, tiny caves. But they're big enough that you can go in and play and so, um, yeah, my sister and I did that a lot. Um, we're definitely very, very into video games. We loved our Super Nintendo and our N64. So, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I could definitely think of a lot of time spent playing, you know, Super Mario RPG with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good memory. Mm -hmm. Sure. Have you all played that recently? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh -huh. seriously? Now that they have, you know, those little mini ones. Um, so I'm still, we're both still, you know, pretty into video games. And again, I think it goes back to, you know, just always my love of puzzles and figuring things out um, that, that that all works out. So, yeah, it's, um, so it's still a thing I enjoy doing. Who's the better player? Who wins? I think we play largely non-competitive or collaborative games. Yeah, it's usually not like fighting games and stuff like that. It's well, usually yeah. more puzzlers and things okay. like that. I wasn't yeah. suggesting that you all yeah. fought. I was just thinking maybe somebody yeah. has better thumbs than another. Yeah, <laughs> I would say of a personality, I'm probably I'm probably the more competitive of the two of us. If we took a step inside your home, you're married with children, as you've alluded to. Can you describe it to us? What does your home look like? Yeah, uh, everything is painted blue. Um, my whole house is either, you know, blue, white, and black. Um, I, yeah, I paint everything blue as a sort of default, so it just is a good, you know, I feel like that's a good good color that okay. makes me very happy. What color are blue? Navy blue? Teakiel blue? All colors, <laughs> yeah. My, my very favorite, a kit cobalt blue, is my absolute favorite. That's the color of my front door. Uh, yeah, when in doubt, that's that's the color I go with for painting things. So, okay, yeah. so we walk inside your house and everything is blue, black, and white? Uh, yeah, so it's like all white walls for the most part with like, you know, a lot of, you know, black accents and then just lots and lots of blue. My whole kitchen is, uh, is turquoise. Uh, so yeah, I like a lot of color. I like a lot of funky art. Um, my mom's mom was an artist also, so I have a bunch of her art too. My Very mom cool. is an artist. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think a lot of the things on my walls are things that somebody I know painted. Favorite room in your house? Probably our front living room. Wow. Uh, because it's like a, we have like a, uh, like a, 80s you know tracked you know development kind of house it doesn't have a lot of architectural character but that's the room with the highest ceiling and so it just feels a lot more airy it's so it's like a long room that's like a joint living room and dining room and so that's the room where we probably just spend most of our time because it's a longer room so that we're, somebody's either you know kind of at the dinner dining table of that my daughter will be you know there coloring and then somebody's flopped on the couch it's kind of just our our all-purpose room that we spend a lot of time in is there something people might be surprised to learn about you do you have a hidden talent do you speak a second language um did you do something once many years ago that nobody knows about i don't know i'm generally do you have um, a hobby I do. Well, I like, I'm very, you know, pretty good at crafts. Um, so of all that, I'm a very good knitter. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I've kind of gone through phases. I picked it up when I was 16 and then I just loved it. I got really into it. And um, yeah, I've done some very, you know, complicated sweaters and I've done all, I've took, you know, I, I definitely know some more advanced techniques for that. So that's something I would say that I'm, I'm pretty good at. Who taught you knitting? Um, well, or introduced you to it? Kind of, my mom introduced me. She didn't really knit. She maybe knit a little bit when we were super little kids, maybe knit us a few sweaters, but then kind of fell out of fashion. And then I think there was like a big trend. This was, would have been like early 2000s where knitting kind of came back in vogue of like knitting with like ribbon and like making scarves out of weird materials like that. And so my mom um, picked it up again while she was traveling for work. And then she taught me and my sister. Um, but then I'm the one who really ran with it and now I've, you know, learned a lot from books and YouTube and so, yeah. 
So I bet people will be surprised to learn. Yeah. About that. Well, I've made I made baby blankets for both of my daughters of like that I designed all the patterns for it, and um, so that's something that I thought was pretty special for them. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you pick Calistoga? I mean, I know you grew up in Calistoga, but you didn't have to live there now. No. You work in Napa. Yeah. Well, I didn't at the time. Um, at the time when we bought our house. Um, I was working in St. Helena. I was working for Joel Gott at their their offices downtown. Um, so yeah, it was for me. It was a reverse commute. I mean, well, I picked not St. Helena because who can afford to live in St. Helena? Uh, and then so yeah, Calistoga is still you know Calistoga and Napa are the more affordable ends. So um, yeah, we knew we were going to have kids, and so I wanted to be you know closer to my parents so we could get some help from them too. And um, yeah, that's worked out pretty well. I mean, we don't, you know, we, we do see them a lot, which is fun, but in terms of help, like, you know, my parents also work harvest and they work, you know, the same sort of hours that I do. They can't really watch the kids that much during the day, so we have, we have normal daycare. Right. They're busy. Everybody's right. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're in wine country. Gotta ask, other than your own wine, what do you like to drink at home? And it doesn't have to be wine. Hmm. Uh, well, I really like those Spindrift sodas. <laughs> I drink oh, a lot of yeah. those. They're like LaCroix, only they taste better because they actually have juice in them. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably like my, you know, non-alcoholic beverage of choice. Um, but for, you know, for alcohol, like I do, I love classic cocktails. So like I love Greyhounds, Negronis, and Manhattans. Those are like my three go-to for, you know, depending on the season. Manhattan's a little more wintry. Okay. Uh, in terms of wine, um, usually whatever I have is, you know, things my friends made. I have, you know, a lot of things like that usually of, you know, whatever people brought for a party that they made is, is pretty fun. Sure. Um, but yeah, for a lot of wine, we shop at Bottle Barn in Santa Rosa. And so I really like, you know, their, their French and Spanish and Italian sections. They have lots of cool stuff there too. So I'm not a super loyalist about things. I love to, you know, experiment and try lots of things. Because sure. yeah. as we said earlier, there's so much. <laughs> so it's, it's fun to try different things. When you kick back and relax, I don't know how much of that you get to do when you have two little ones, but when you do get to do that, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Ooh, I like, um, I'd say electropop is probably like what I would say is my favorite. Like my favorite band is Chromio, and uh, so I would say, you know, I like the things that I discovered in college that were really fun is probably like still what I listen to a lot. Like I love Lady Gaga and so kind of a little more more poppy, pop rock kind of. Well, we are going to wrap things up now with five quick questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. First question. What kind of car do you drive? I have a Subaru Outback like every other mom in the world. <laughs> okay. Second question. What's one of your all-time favorite movies? A El movie that you can watch again and again and again. Never get LA Confidential. Oh yeah, very good. Third question, last piece of candy you ate? Ooh, my aunt makes really good chocolates. Oh, she does? Yeah. I love her chocolates. Fourth question, favorite flower? Probably peony. And last question, what's your go-to karaoke song? I am not a singer. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, you yeah. Were to sing karaoke, what would it be? Oh my god, I would never. <laughs> um, probably if I was roping, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it by myself. So the last time I sang karaoke was probably at a bachelorette party, and I bet it would have been Spice Girls. Okay. Yeah, never by myself. <laughs>
I'd probably be there with you. Chelsea, so much fun to sit down with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.